gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. In this episode, we're joined by Simon Yeager. Thanks for joining us today, Simon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so the kind of impetus for for putting this together was uh, a blog post that you put out um, maybe a month or two ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm losing I'm losing track of time. Um, about, around how you were leveraging and building apps on top of uh, the Microsoft Graph API. So that seemed like a really good opportunity for us to to talk about what the Graph API is and 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 introduce it to to our listeners. So. I mean, before we get into the specifics of of the the mobile app side of it, I mean, can you kind of give an elevator pitch of what Microsoft Graph is in the first place? Yeah, sure. So uh, it's kind of funny to uh, to explain it because it's you know people if people have been around the Microsoft universe a little bit, they've heard about quite a few different graphs. You know, there's been a, a Windows graph. There's been an Azure Active Directory graph, and now there's an Office graph, and there's a Microsoft graph. So uh, it's been kind of a widely used, uh, I guess, concept within different services. But I'm going to put it down into, I guess, in, in, in a, into a single uh, single name now, which is the Microsoft graph. Uh, and what that is, is this notion of, uh, I guess, a proxy towards all of these other different services that we have available within the Microsoft space. Uh, the problem it's trying to solve is the fact that, you know, with all these services being, you know, different REST APIs, you have different ways of calling them. Uh, they're following different conventions, making it, you know, tricky to, to kind of uh, anticipate what the response formats is and what the, uh, you know, how do I engage with, with, with a particular service and how do I uh, reuse application code and that kind of stuff. So that's the kind of core problem the Microsoft Graph is trying to solve. And you can think about it as the, as the surface area above all of these different services. It's a proxy towards these services that kind of unifies the way that you can talk to them so that you can get a single endpoint, which you can go towards, but also be able to reuse your code and really expect responses to come across um, in an expected format. Um, and also what it, what it is, is essentially it's a, you know, it's a graph, right? What that means is that, for example, if you're um, calling the Microsoft Graph and you're getting into uh, the users uh, of an Office 365 tenant, uh, by simply appending a slash forward files in the URL, you're able to query that files for that particular user. And under the hood, what that is, is a, a, a change from uh, the Azure Active Directory REST service towards the OneDrive REST service, which you're doing in, in a simple, um, in a simple slash, uh, forward slash files, essentially, in the endpoint. But you're sticking to one single endpoint. So it's your proxy to call multiple different services under one endpoint, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, accessing files through the graph. Like, what other kinds of data are you able to access through this proxy uh, graph so, service? You'll find pretty much anything that you can think of that you'll, you know, that you can think of in the in the Microsoft space. So, if you imagine all of the services that you have, you know, you've got Office three sixty five, which does have, you know, users. It's got files, but it also has things like, all right. Um, if I put, for instance, an Excel file within my OneDrive or OneDrive for Business, I have an Excel REST API at my disposal that I can use to kind of 
uh, act as an as an Excel author of that document. So I can drill down into that Excel workbook and you know find um, formatting and data in here and pull that out of there. I can deal with with tasks that comes from uh, the planner tool. If you've ever seen that with an Office 365, uh, if you've got OneNote APIs and you can leverage uh, and use, and there's a bunch, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, in terms of data, you know, there's lots, um, and, and it goes even as far as as drilling down into you know your Outlook mail and calendar. Uh, you've got your groups and your directory um, services that you can access. But you know, since we also have this data, it's not a matter just of pulling that data out of it. It's also, you know, how can we be a little bit smart about that data? So what the Microsoft Graph also offers is an ability to kind of um, aggregate this information into smart APIs that allows you to figure out things. And what I mean is essentially, um, if you're in Office 365, you, you know, you might be collaborating with um, the same type of, of or a group of people a lot, and you're creating lots of files. Uh, now, those are different services, you know, the users and files but you'll be able to figure out via a, a, an API call, essentially, um, that these people are probably trending around you uh, because you're using uh, to, you know, you're sharing lots of files with these guys. And that provides an API of, uh, of, of uh, being able to essentially get that information. So in turn, the Microsoft Graph is going to be about pulling data all, out of all of these different services, but it's also going to be about, you know, relating that data and getting some insights into, you know, clever data, the relevant data, and being a little bit intelligent about it. So is this just about pulling data? Is it read-only, or can you actually write data back through the graph as well? That's a great question. So uh, definitely, you know, you can read lots of data, but you can also write the data back into it. And that kind of makes, uh, you know, is really one of the key pointers that makes the Microsoft Graph super powerful. Uh, because you're not only able to just read the data, but you're also able to you know, put the data back in there, uh, meaning you can build services and application that kind of just lie on top of the Microsoft Graph, and they use the Microsoft Graph as, as a backend to kind of you know, put data back in there, whether it's files or uh, Excel documents or perhaps putting mails and calendar objects into it. Uh, so you're definitely able to fill the different services uh, with your own data and kind of use that as your own backend. And what's the relationship between the the Graph API itself and all of these sort of disparate APIs that you're talking about, be it the the Office 365 ones or whatever? Right. Like, is is Graph API acting as basic, basically an authentication layer and a proxy, uh, and then you would get a token that you take to each of these other APIs, or is it all sort of unified? Are these APIs being built in a unified way, explicitly on top of Graph? So the way that it kind of works is that once a service is implemented within the Microsoft space, um, you'll, uh, what's going to be implemented is that backbone uh, service for that particular um, solution. So if there's a new, let's say, a web app that's included within Office 365, it's going to have its own backend uh, service. So for instance, the Outlook um, service has its own REST API that you can call. Uh, now, the work that gets put into, uh, um, into the services at this point is to bring that or surface that API into the Microsoft Graph. So first and foremost, the backend kind of bare bones services for the particular service is going to you know, uh, be built first, and then it's going to be brought into the Microsoft Graph. 
Now, a good, uh, I guess, um, pointer about this is, is this is what kind of creates the notion of branches within the Microsoft Graph. So because the service API, the bare bones service API will come first and eventually it's going to be brought into the Microsoft Graph, you'll have this, um, these branches of the graph which essentially define at which stage things are being implemented. Uh, so you'll find uh, today two branches, one being the beta branch of the Microsoft Graph and the one being the version 1.0 branch. And the beta branch actually is pretty quick at picking up these new uh, APIs and bringing them into the Microsoft Graph. But they're still kind of being tested and there's you know feedback being gathered about the usage and change. And then eventually they're going to be put into the version one or the production one, uh, production ready um, branch of the Microsoft Graph. Uh, so to kind of uh, uh, recap here, you know, you, you have the bare bone API being implemented first for the individual service. And eventually you'll see that happening or getting put into the Microsoft Graph. The benefit is going to be that, you know, if you're familiar with OAuth tokens, you'll know that um, within the Microsoft space, these tokens will be, uh, they will be, I guess, uh, they're kind of hard coded, I guess, to an, an individual resource. And that resource could might as well just have been that bare bone, uh, bare bone REST API. So it could have been that you know Outlook REST API. Uh, but that means you'll have to get a new token for each individual service, unless you're using the Microsoft Graph, which allows you to have a single token for the Microsoft Graph. And with that single token, you're able to eventually call that uh, bare bone API using the Microsoft Graph. So given that the bare bone API comes first usually, or I guess would always come first, do you see a lot of um, cases where the Graph API doesn't expose as much functionality as is given in the Barebone API? Sometimes I've seen cases where there's features of um, larger features, I would say, in one particular API that's not yet exposed within the Microsoft Graph. Uh, one example is currently Outlook Tasks, which is a different uh, thing comparing from the tasks that you'll find in the Microsoft Graph. Microsoft Graph tasks are the ones that you'll find in the uh, Office 365 Planner tool, and Outlook tasks aren't yet actually exposed within the Microsoft Graph. So you'll usually find you know, a few of these operations that you might be able to, to, uh, uh, to uh, achieve within the, the Barebone REST API, but you'll find lots of it being covered. And, and in particular, you'll find a lot of it uh, in the beta branch, uh, which has you know, already been lifted there. Um, but what we do see, though, is that it isn't usually a problem. Uh, we find um, application developers or service developers to uh, essentially use the Microsoft Graph for what they can use it for. And if there's a particular functionality that they need, they can still just pull in that barebone REST API and have that work kind of alongside the Microsoft Graph to do what they need to do. Uh, but using the Microsoft Graph as the kind of entry point for uh, getting the most information that they need to and, and doing lots of the major operations, essentially. So in that sort of situation where, you say, say you've reached some sort of boundary where the, the Graph API isn't exposing exactly what you need and you want to, do, to be able to drop down into whatever that uh, backend REST API would be, uh, whichever one that might be, um, are you able to take whatever your authentication tokens are were from the Graph API or or, or whatever those might be and, and use those against the REST API? Or would you have to kind of start with a, a fresh implementation there? So you'll be able to, to actually reuse some of your code. Uh, some of the code has to be um, customized because the tokens do are they are hard-coded. 
if you have a you know if you have a token if you open it up and if it's for the Microsoft graph you'll find that it actually says graph.microsoft.com within it within the actual token so you wouldn't be able to use that in the uh, for instance the Outlook REST API but what you'll be able to reuse is the fact that you have uh, or actually before you get started consuming any Microsoft service, you'll actually register your application. And when registering your application, you'll usually, uh, depending on which model you're using, but you'll usually uh, say up front which services that I'm going to use. And if you're already signed in, you've got a token for the Microsoft Graph, you'll also usually have what's called a refresh token. And you'll put that back towards, for instance, Azure Active Directory, and you'll say, all right, I want a new token now for the Outlook REST API. And if you already specified that within the application registration, uh, you'll, just, you'll just get a new access token for the Outlook REST API. So you'll be able to re reuse a little bit of that, uh, but the token needs to be, um, I guess, exchanged for the different services that you want to make a call for. So um, by doing, for instance, using what's called Active Directory Authentication Library, uh, you'll be able to get a lot of this for free by simply putting in uh, the resource, which is what we call the different endpoints, uh, the resource that you want to access, and it will go ahead and make a silent call and exchange the tokens for you. Cool, that makes sense. So so kind of piggybacking off of that, like let's dig into to what this looks like uh, as part of the, the larger, say, mobile development story. Like what, what kind of apps can you build on top of Graph? Like how does it fit into that world? Yeah, so I think uh, an example of what we want to do here is um, I, I think you know what I try to tell people or, or you know how to I guess concretize this thing is that look at if you've ever seen um, Office 365 Planner, go ahead and look at it. Uh, if you don't know what it is, you know go and do a Google or Bing search for it, uh, and you'll see what it is. What this is is essentially uh, a, a very good example of an application that could have been built entirely upon the Microsoft Graph. You know, it's, an, it's a service that allows you to manage tasks by assigning people to it, by you know, categorizing them with labels, by setting the progress and adding comments to it. And all of these, this functionality is backed up by the Microsoft Graph. So essentially, uh, you could look at this entire application as something that's just lying on top of, of the Microsoft Graph. Uh, in addition, you'll also find, if you're familiar with Delve, uh, which is an application that's found within the Office 365 space, which kind of drills down into the different operations and pulls out things that are happening in your organization by looking at files that are being changed and users doing different things. Uh, and a last example is, I guess, uh, the code sample that I've actually blogged about, which is a property manager sample. Uh, and this application itself is, is essentially an application that lets a landowner or a property manager, if you will, actually detail and log properties that he or she owns and document what are, what's going on in here by, by detailing them with you know, descriptions and rooms and how many um, uh, or the, uh, the scale of the, of the lot size uh, by also adding conversation flows and adding files and tasks to this particular property. And this sample itself is built entirely above the Microsoft Graph with, with not a single backend service. Uh, and what it's doing is essentially using these different operations that you have available. Um, and I guess one of the coolest features of this is that it's using the Excel REST API 
and it's just writing and write, reading and writing data into an Excel document and using that kind of as a backup or, or, or back in store, if you will, uh, for detailing lots of different properties. What's also cool about this is that you'll also have the, you, know, you have the application, the mobile application itself, but you'll also have the view within Office 365 where you can go ahead and just look at the file being edited, uh, I guess in real time and, and, and also go in and edit it uh, manually in here if you want to do that and see that happening uh, or that change being applied in the actual application. So is there any kind of support for handling like uh, merge conflicts uh, with data in that setting? Yeah, so there is an ability to actually, um, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with co-writing uh, like uh, documents or Excel workbooks in, uh, in, in Office 365 or perhaps in the Google universe, uh, it's kind of an experience like that. Uh, so you're able to actually set up um, uh, a session uh, that you will have from the application side. And you will also, if you're going into the file manually um, with, for instance, a user, you're also creating an, an invisible session. And what you're doing is going to be logged as um, in the same way as if the application was a user. And conflicts and versioning is being taken care of in the same way as if a user would have gone into that particular workbook and made changes. So you can actually roll back and see what's happening uh, and merge uh, the same you the same way you would have done it in Office 365 if you were just a couple of different users uh, working together in a workbook or a document. So then running this app, like this assumes that you've got an Office 365, you know, organization or something, you're a part of it, you've got an account on it and you can uh, log in that way, correct? Yes. That's the story of this, uh, this application. Uh, but I do want to point out that that doesn't have to be, you know, the case. Uh, and I, I, I mentioned it uh, when we we're talking about tokens here is that um, there's, a, I guess, what you would call different models of authenticating towards the Microsoft Graph. And depending on how you're, uh, or depending on which route you choose to take, you'll uh, be able to build your service, service towards different identity providers. So if you're using the, what's called a, the version one model, which is built upon Azure Active Directory, uh, which is essentially what every Office 365 tenant is built upon. Uh, if you build your authentication model around that, you'll be able to exchange or, or, or engage rather with uh, Microsoft Graph uh, for Office 365 uh, tenants. Now there's a new model that's converging the different authentication models that we have. So that's Azure Active Directory and that's what we call MSA, which is the Microsoft account. So using the version two, you'll actually be able to talk with the Microsoft Graph but both with Office 365 tenants and any Microsoft account. So if you, for instance, reach for uh, a user and do a forward slash uh, files in the, in the endpoint, it doesn't matter if that goes to a OneDrive for business, which would be an Office 365, or if that's just a simple OneDrive for consumer, uh, which would be in the Microsoft account space instead. Uh, so there's lots of work being made on actually uh, getting these operations working across these different spaces, but using the new converged or authentication model or version two, you'll be able to access both Office 365 users and the normal uh, Microsoft accounts, or you know, being live in Hotmail and Outlook accounts. So, for the the sample app that you put together, which of those approaches did you take for authentication there? 
So we went for the uh, uh, the first one, which is for Office 365 um, accounts. And the reason being is uh, the, the, the converged authentication model is still in preview. So you'll find that uh, things are still being worked on. There's um, still feedback being gathered. And while there is a, an SDK available called the Microsoft Authentication Library, which you can use, uh, it's still available, and but it's still in, in preview. Uh, and if you look at the version one, you'll have uh, the Active Directory Authentication Library instead, which is you know very well you know production ready. There's lots of um, resources in terms of getting started and documentation and sample code, and it's also covering lots of different mobile platforms very very well. It's covering everything from Xamarin to uh, even, you know, Objective-C implementations and Java implementations. So it's got a great coverage in terms of resources resources and platforms. So that's kind of the reason why uh, I chose to go with version one for, for this particular case. So then for, for users of that application, are they basically just, uh, is your application prompting them for, for an email and password, and then that's authenticating against Office 365? Correct. So it's going to pull up an Office 365 uh, sign-in process. So you'll sign in with any Office 365 user, and then you're really you're good to go. Uh, what it's going to do, though, before that is just simply prompt the user with, here's the application, and that's kind of a part of the application registration that I was talking about. But here's the application, and these are the particular permissions, if you will, that the application is uh, is, is pursuing to have, essentially. So uh, much like you much like how you would have consented to any Facebook application or Twitter application, it's the same OAuth flow where you sign in with any user of that service. You'll find the permissions that the application is asking asking for, and if you agree, you know you're in the application and you're all ready to get started. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun offers leading error and crash reporting to over 30,000 developers around the globe and now offers real user monitoring for both web and mobile apps. Raygun's native mobile support brings deep analytics about how users are engaging with your mobile apps. Raygun platform customers can discover problems affecting their end users automatically, giving developer teams unique insights into the performance of their apps. Raygun offers a free 30-day trial, so get started at raygun.com today and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. So we talked about authentication, and then you talked a little bit about using Excel as sort of your backend and your data store there. Um, but I know from looking through the application that it, it seems like you were leveraging a, a bunch of other sort of areas underneath uh, Microsoft Graph. So can you kind of speak to, to some of the other things that you were able to leverage in there? Yeah. So uh, once you, you know, you're absolutely right with, you know, once you get in, uh, you'll see the properties in here. And these come from, from actually two different things. Uh, one is the Excel API that you're talking about. Uh, the other one is this notion of groups. And groups is, uh, in Office 365, it's just a, a way to kind of put together lots of different users and have them collaborate in a way. Uh, and a property itself is a registration in the Excel file. It's a, just a, a row, if you will. But it's also linking uh, with a mail nickname towards an Office 365 group. So it's using the group API to kind of as an identifier. What the groups have is um, uh, a, a, a file storage area for each every group uh, that you have within your Office 365 tenant. You also have an ability to work with tasks using the planner tool, and you also have a conversation flow in every group. So by creating a group as well, we get all of these different things 
and access to them via different um, uh, operations within the Microsoft Graph. So essentially, it's, it's portraying a group, but it's transforming the view of that in the application as kind of like, here's a, here's a conversation for the property, and here's our, here are files for the property. And these are tasks here that we have to uh, do for the property. Uh, and what you get here is essentially everything is created for you by creating a group with the API. But you also get lots of uh, great things such as uh, when you complete a task, uh, you'll get notified because that task belonged to the entire group. So everyone that's a member of that group is going to get uh, an email about it. Uh, and if you add, for instance, a, a message to the conversation flow, every member of that group is going to be uh, notified about that message. So I never have to build that logic to kind of distribute uh, and share the conversations or files or tasks within members of that group. Uh, they, you know, I simply put them into the group itself, and then everyone that goes into your application or uses that, saying it's a different user, uh, will automatically get the same type of information. So for, for users of the, the application itself, is there any way for the, the app to sort of tie into any real-time notifications of these updates to be able to sort of update the state of the app, or would it have to kind of keep checking for updates with the API? Yeah, you would have um, actually um, two interesting or two approaches, if you would. One is interesting. One is kind of what you're exactly what you're saying is, is all right, I would go ahead and just pull on for, uh, for uh, the change here or look it up. Um, one another way here is to, and that ap applies to some of the operations. Uh, it's not yet implemented for every operation, uh, but what you can do in in some cases is that if you look at the response that you're given, uh, which is usually in uh, in JSON, uh, you'll find what's called a uh, I guess a a delta link or a next link, and what that is essentially is a an ID that you can use and put that back towards the Microsoft Graph. And it's going to know kind of what data you already were given. So it's only going to send you back to your mobile device or your, or your, um, or your web app or whatever you're building, uh, the change of what happened since the last time you got the data. Uh, and that's great for you know, any case where you're on your, when, when you're on a mobile device where your, uh, perhaps your compute power is limited because you no longer have to do the calculation of you know, what was the change of what I've got and you know, what I got at this point. Um, or you don't have to um, be sure that you have a strong connection if you're doing lots of refreshes. Another thing is that webhooks is something that's being implemented and has been widely supported within the Microsoft Graph. You could register for webhooks wherever that's applicable and have the Microsoft Graph essentially call your service back uh, with data about what's being changed, what happened here. Uh, so you have a couple different ways to kind of go, uh, but do pulling the you know pulling the data refreshing is also going to be perfectly uh, you know a perfectly fine solution to achieve that. Is there any concept of like lawn pulling coming in future versions? Not that that I'm aware of. Uh, the the roadmap and kind of what's going on and happening on the Microsoft Graph is uh, is all kind of documented. If you go to the Microsoft or go to the graph.microsoft.io and click on change log. And here you'll see uh, both, you know, a discussion of what we're doing in, in a blog post and what's being happening. But uh, not that I'm aware of, uh, I have not heard uh, that coming. 
Okay, so I'm talking about the you know that idea of getting only the changes that you want. Does this apply to like files as well? Like, is there some kind of uh, mechanism where you can synchronize bits of files or maybe the delta of files that you already have locally? I've not seen this thing, um, this happening on files. Uh, there may be, you know, also something that's coming in the future if that's requested by users and consumers. Um, and also a uh, notion or, or something to mention here around files is that there's lots of work currently being done on files because, you know, uh, we have the, uh, the, the new authentication or the new converged authentication model uh, where we're aggregating both uh, the OneDrive for consumer and the OneDrive for business uh, file storage. Uh, so I've I've not seen operations like this uh, currently in the in the in the graph, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if that would actually pop open if we uh, see that being a need from from customers and partners. Cool. So so if I'm remembering right from looking through the code, it, it seems like your applications are accessing uh, the apps themselves or the clients are accessing the graph a- API directly. Is that sort of the model that you would usually take, or are there cases where you'd want to kind of wrap that? those operations in your own sort of server-side API and use that as a, a proxy? That's actually a great, uh, great question. Um, so I'm doing that in the you know, sample. I'm just you know, pulling the, the Microsoft Graph straight away because that makes uh, perfect sense for the scenario that we're building here. Uh, but say if you wanted to, I guess, uh, do something while the application is not running, or say if you wanted to uh, be able to push uh, do push notifications to the mobile devices. In this case, you would most likely want a service uh, that's making the calls perhaps for you uh, or being at least a middle layer and kind of keeping the the tokens uh, or refresh tokens, if you will, on the server side so that you can go ahead and exchange for new tokens whenever you need to pull, pull, the, pull the data uh, without the device itself uh, running. And it's certainly something, though, that we see happening in in web scenarios where you're not always comfortable with keeping tokens and keeping these calls happening in the browser. Uh, So we do see this happening on the server side, especially when we have a a web app or uh, or a a headless service uh, running, essentially. Yeah, and mobile is not too different. I know uh, and one of the things that we are preaching lately is to you know, not keep your refresh tokens on your mobile device either. So maybe that's a good idea to access it that way too. Yeah, it definitely doesn't, doesn't hurt to do that. Um, so are, are you just calling this uh, through like the HTTP client? Are there any SDKs available to work with the graph? So in, in the actual um, as code sample itself, I do uh, call using the built-in HTTP stack. Uh, reason being is, is because, uh, as, as talked about, the Microsoft Graph is divided into uh, two different branches. The first one, version 1.0, does have SDKs. And if you would head to the Microsoft Graph page, you'll actually find under samples and SDKs uh, which platforms that there currently are uh, available um, SDKs and code samples for. You'll find probably code samples for any platform that you can think about. Uh, but for SDKs, you'll find uh, one for iOS, one for Android, uh, and also, of course, for, for .NET. Uh, but if you wanted to engage with uh, beta branch, uh, at this point, you'll, you'll, be, you'll have to use, uh, I guess, bare-bone REST calls in order to um, access the Microsoft Graph. Uh, so essentially, you could, um, if you wanted to, you could use the Microsoft SDK for uh, for the bits and pieces that you're 
um, that's already available in the version one branch. And if you have separate things that are only currently available in the beta branch, you could use just simple REST calls to get that information. And the Microsoft Graph SDKs are also built in a, in a way that makes it uh, kind of decoupled from the authentication model. So if you have that uh, put into place with the SDK, it's very simple to simply drain the access token uh, from it and simply append that to your own REST call and you're simply good to go. Are the .NET SDKs, are they like a portable class library or what, what does that look like for like yeah. Xamarin? Yeah, so those are uh, part of portable class library, which you can, uh, you can leverage and use from, from any .NET solution really. Um, a cool, cool, I guess, pointer for, um, uh, about the SDKs is that um, these SDKs are actually generated. Uh, so if you're familiar with, uh, with uh, a, 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 um, a project or a code name, if you will, Viper, uh, which is a code generation tool that actually generates, um, generates um, SDKs. And what we open sourced is, is the templates that are used with this tool uh, to actually generate these SDKs. And if you wanted to, you could simply point uh, this tool towards the beta branch and you could generate a beta SDK if you wanted to. Uh, you could also generate an SDK for a few other uh, platforms as well, which we've seen, um, seen uh, implementations of the templates for. Uh, but most, or actually most of the things will work, but there are some iffy things in there that are going to be a little bit shaky if you choose to do that. So then if these SDKs are being kind of generated from from the the destination there, um, you know, I'm guessing based on some sort of like service definition that you can pull down, I'm, I'm guessing that they're not really adding a lot other than just sort of wrapping those raw API calls exactly. like with a, some sort of typed method. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay. so, I mean, that's kind of been our, I guess, incentive as well to, you know, how do we build... Uh, a service or REST API, if, we will, if, API with, if you will, that's also, you know, it's covering lots of different resources, but we have to make sure that if you wanted to uh, to make the REST calls, it needs to be straightforward. It needs to be simple. We need to be able to have, you know, a, an expected pattern because that we need that in place in order to also generate that. But you benefit from it if you go and actually uh, want to make those, uh, those uh, bare-bone REST APIs yourself. Um, but another benefit is also from the generation is that, um, or from the generated SDKs, is that you'll find lots of, um, I guess, consistent primitives across these SDKs. Meaning that if you learn how to use the SDK on one platform, you'll know how to do that on the other platforms as well. And that doesn't mean that we're, you know, making it look weird and, and I guess, in, a, in, a, in the same way on each every platform. But the notion and the primitives are going to be the same, but we still add, I guess, the, the programming language flavor on top of the SDK. So you know, in terms of casing and in terms of how you get properties and set properties and that kind of stuff, you'll ex you know, it's going to be built or generated in the way that you'll expect it to be. But the primitives itself or the approach of you know, how, do you, how do you get the me object, which is a shortcut of, uh, the, of myself, essentially, and how do you get into files and how do you uh, put something there? It's going to be done in the in the same pattern, if you will. Cool. So, so kind of like taking a a, a step back for a minute. Um, like, let's say, like I'm a developer. I, I think this all sounds really, really awesome, and I want to start leveraging this in my applications, or at least kind of poking around and seeing what's up. Like, what do I have to do to get started building on top of Graph? So the very, very first thing that I tell people is that, all right, um, 
go ahead and go to the graph.microsoft.io page, which is kind of the, uh, the web page for the service. And what you'll find here is what's called a graph explorer. And this is a tool to um, essentially what the name uh, entails. You know, it's a way for you to uh, explore the Microsoft graph. So it gets you a little uh, window with uh, an ability to enter the, uh, the graph Microsoft.com URL, uh, specify the branch, specify the HTTP method that you want to achieve. And from this little console, console or utility, if you will, you're able to fire off uh, graph REST calls and have the response displayed. Uh, and you'll also be able to upload and put data into the Microsoft Graph. And this thing is a great way of, of understanding a little bit, you know, how do I traverse down the graph? How does it work if I want to access my own files and that kind of stuff? And get you a really good um, understanding of how do I uh, use this if I wanted to make those REST calls. So gets, you know, it's a great starting place. And once you overcome that experience, uh, you'll, you'll jump over to the next, I guess, um, header, if you will, uh, on the Microsoft Graph page, which is called App Registration. Uh, and you can use this tool to register your application. And then you can fire those same calls that you were doing in the Graph Explorer uh, once you've simply appended the access token, which you can get by using the Active Directory Authentication Library. And if you want to get started uh, on, on using you know, the Active Directory Authentication Library and getting started very simple with uh, using .NET or um, Objective-C or Java, uh, if you do head to my blog, I have blog posts that are covering getting started um, using the uh, both SDKs and making variable REST calls and also covering the topic of you know, getting that access token. So you mentioned that the roadmap is pretty laid out for and, and open for what Graph uh, is doing. What are you most excited about that's coming soon? Ooh, I guess. Um, so here's the thing. Um, what's been around for a bit is, you know, all right, we got the Microsoft Graph in place. Uh, and, and what it meant, I guess, in the first place was, um, you know, it was about data, like, how do I just access a mail? And how do I just, you know, write a mail? That was the first piece. Uh, and what I'm going to tell you, uh, what I'm, I guess the entire thing that I'm most excited about is uh, this um, fact that we're, you know, at this point, we've got the data in place. Now we're going to spend time on putting more intelligence and more insights into this data, you know, aggregating data and relating data to each other. Uh, so I'm excited about APIs that, for instance, are are being put into the version one in a bit. Uh, like um, if I, you know, simply send uh, a couple of users into the Microsoft Graph uh, and ask the Microsoft Graph um, find these people within the uh, within the Office 365 service and simply suggest the best the best available time slot for these two people or this group of people to meet. And those are APIs and operations that I'm the most excited about. You know, once we get to see uh, uh, operations that allow us to be um, very smart about that data and getting insights and getting intelligence here, those are, I think, uh, the cool things. And, and those are also the power of, you know, using a, a graph or building a graph, if you will. That sounds cool. Um, so is there anything that we we kind of glossed over or anything that you want to make sure that, that listeners know that, you know, before or to inspire them to go check out graph? Um, definitely. I think I, you know, I really want to push you towards the, the Microsoft graph, uh, you know, webpage because it's got lots of great resources. 
um, definitely go ahead and, and check out check out my blog. I try to uh, push a lot of content and pointers to other blogs and other resources there for uh, getting started with the with the Microsoft Graph and also getting into uh, the more advanced topics and uh, of 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 the of the APIs and uh, of the APIs and on the Microsoft Graph itself. Uh, but I also cover the the, the code sample itself, uh, which is available on the Microsoft Graph GitHub repository, and that's also a great place where I want to point people towards. You know, if you want to see actual code and 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 lots of samples and snippets, uh, go ahead and and find the Microsoft Graph organization, if you will, on the GitHub webpage, and you will find just a bunch of repositories with lots of different codes. Uh, code for uh, lots of different platforms. It's a great place to just dig into it uh, and find yourself, you know, just surrounded with lots of code. And speaking of platforms, I, I guess we didn't really mention this before when talking through the application that you built. But what were the the platforms that your uh, your property rental uh, sample targeted? Yeah, so I try to target um, the big platforms that we have, you know, available. Those are being. Uh, iOS, Android, and UVP, Universal Windows Platform. Uh, so I try to target these three individual platforms uh, by using Xamarin and more particularly by using Xamarin Native uh, because the, one of the great, uh, I guess, intentions of the code sample was to build uh, not just this cool uh, solution that you know, didn't have a backend and just entirely laid on top of the Microsoft Graph, but this code sample that also showcased, all right, how do we target these platforms, these three very different platforms, and make native user experiences that feel like they belong here? Um, that was kind of the reason of going with Xamarin Native, and that's, uh, you know, if, you, if you're just interested, I guess, in, in building native UIs and, and, and really fine-tuning experiences and making things feel like they belong on the platform, you can definitely check out the samples. Uh, or the sample, if you will. Right on. That sounds great. Um, but thanks so much, Simon, for for taking the time out of your day to, to chat about Graph. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. A pleasure was ours. And uh, thanks, as always, to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.